welcome. We're going to kick off our first episode of Brood Awakenings. Today's episode, we have a wonderful conversation and discussion lined up, and we're going to talk about a few benefits of No Spend Month, which is one of the latest things on social media, and nutrition in disease prevention. Now, the initial idea for this podcast is to be self-fed through ChatGPT. At least two of our discussion questions are going to be generated from ChatGPT. And while we can go off on interesting conversation points that are not generated, we will mostly be sticking to the ChatGPT information provided for our conversations. Now, to start off with the podcast, we do have our wonderful friend of the coffee. I'm joined here with my co-hosts, Rilly, Miriam, and Brenda. Welcome. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Welcome. All right. So, Cyril, you want to kick us off here for the with the first topic that we have today? Okay. So the first topic that we do have is the benefits and challenges of No Spend Month. Now, I'm sure you are wondering at this point, what is a No Spend Month? So, let's see. Uh, the concept of No Spend Month is a challenge where individuals commit to not spending any money on non-essential items for a period of time. Now, the first thing which comes to mind is what exactly is a non-essential item? Like, how would you define that? Because there are a lot of things which we consider to be essential today, which in reality we can seriously live without. Toilet paper doesn't count. I mean, toilet paper is definitely, I would say, considered inessential, but I guess it depends on your point of view. Yeah? If you're from the Middle Ages, you might find that using a leaf is a little bit more beneficial. Exactly. So in the Middle Ages, toilet paper would be considered to be a luxury item. So in the Middle Ages, toilet paper was a future item. <laughs> it's still a future item depending on where you live in the world. Let's all agree that three ply isn't necessarily essential. Like you can downgrade a little bit. Um, two ply is essential. Two ply is essential. Yes. <laughs> um, I think anything for hygiene we can consider essential. Now, do you have to get the top-rated products? Absolutely not. But like getting, you know, soap. yes, soap, soap is, is important. You can get the ninety-nine cent hand soap. That is no problem. Do you have to get like the super, you know, expensive, natural type? Obviously not, you know, unless you have like a, a skin condition, in which case I'm not going to talk. I'm not a doctor. What about the CBD lace soap? If you're in pain, that is up to you and your doctor. I mean, I tend to feel that I'm never in pain. So in which case I try. Yeah, right. I try not to, you know, take my CBD soap to the next level. <laughs> Oh, man. So, with regards to No Spend Month... Wait, can we go back here? Because we are all Gen Z or Millennials at this table, right? Okay. Who doesn't have back or neck pain occasionally from looking down at their phones <laughs> or their computers? No I think, one. I think no one here is a Millennial. It's, I, it's... I don't know. You might be considered a Millennial. No, nah. it depends who you ask, but most people agree Gen Z is... It's Gen Z. Gen Z. Okay, I don't know what year you're born. I just know that you're older. <laughs> 
Okay, so we're all considered Gen Z. All of yeah. us look down on our phones, or we're always, or we're on our computers. We're gonna start the stream over again because it's not connecting right. I oh, told you so. <laughs> Wait, can you just wait? Is this recorded though? Because we can have like it's a bloopers reel no. at the end of the. Oh, yeah, okay. no, I don't have my WhatsApp open, so can you send it to me? Anyways? Okay, it looks like it's working now. Oh, okay. I'm not sure what happened. I'm gonna check. Let me just confirm that it's still yeah. live. Start the stream because it doesn't look like it's working. Can we save All the recording right. and have like a like a bloopers reel? Sure. Uh, welcome, hello, and welcome. This is our second attempt at recording and live streaming this. Trust me, it's still not working. Usually, it takes a minute or two to get started. It's not very clear if it's working. <laughs> But it does say that it is connected. Perfect. So I think we are recording. I think we can officially start the live stream for the second time. Um, hello and welcome. Um, today's episode, we have a wonderful discussion lined up. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Rilly and Miriam and Brenda. Hello. 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 So for this initial conversation, we're going to kick off the episode by discussing exactly how the format of the podcast will be. We're going to be utilizing ChatGPT to generate our key points and discussion questions. At least two of our discussion questions have to be generated from the ChatGPT, as well as the idea and topic. Now, we can go off topic on interesting conversation points that are not generated from ChatGPT. However, the main points and discussions that we will have today are going to be chat, uh, generated by the AI itself. Now, the first key point we have is with regards to a no-spend month, which is the latest fad when it comes to social media. Lots of people have been going on about no-spend month. I know we were talking earlier about not spending on toilet paper. So, you know, as long as you don't need three-ply, I think you're in good shape. What do you guys think? We already had this discussion, and I think we all agree. <laughs> three-ply is never needed. Yeah, three-ply yeah. isn't needed. Two-ply, definitely. Please continue using toilet paper, people. I, I think we should leave the toilet paper where it belongs, in the bathroom. Okay, moving Unless on. you run out of tissues, in which case you can use it to blow your nose. <laughs> I mean, isn't that to what Kleenexes are for? I mean, my workplace doesn't have tissues, so like sometimes I need to run to the bathroom and get toilet paper to blow my nose. Like, not gonna lie. And it's the worst, <laughs> but... And on Chavez, hey, it's pretty annoying to have to actually be able to not be allowed to rip your toilet paper. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, which is why Kleenexes are a thing. Kleenexes. Except they really shouldn't be. And now let's segue to our imaginary sponsor, Kleenex <laughs> toilet paper. 
<laughs> Charmaine, if you're looking to sponsor us, please let us know. Now, ChatGPT came up with a couple of unique and interesting points. No Spend Month is a latest fad regarding social media. Lots of people have been, you know, discussing um, the this, uh, discussing uh, No Spend Month, which in essence is not spending for 30 days at a time on frivolous needs. Now, frivolous is very open to interpretation, so we have lots of different points uh, that we can review um, what frivolous spending is. And let me just make sure this is live again because it's still not loading. Oh, lovely. The problem is it was live when my test was made. Let's see. Giant oof. It's already recording, so we're just going to record it for now, and we'll update it later. Yeah. Okay, beautiful. Hashtag first episodes. <laughs> so we're gonna. The idea is to discuss the concept of a no spend month, where individuals commit to not spending money on any non-essential items. And the approach has gained a lot of popularity in recent years as a way to save money and to simplify your lifestyle, and also reduce consumerism, which hasn't really had a major impact over the last three years due to COVID because people have just been spending like they're in Congress. Well, have they been spending like they're con Congress, or has Congress been spending like they're people? Uh, well, there's a thought to think about. I feel like there's two opposing like type of people when it comes after COVID. Like there are the people who all of a sudden like they're homesteading, they're canning every food, like they are getting ready for the apocalypse. Which to be fair, in 2020, it really did feel like the apocalypse was happening. We got the fires, we had the giant killer bees, hornets, um, murder hornets, murder hornets. That's what it was. Um, you did know, we have something with sharks too, or was that a meme? I forget. There was some Sharknado or something. Yeah. I forget if it's a meme or if something actually happened. That's that's where that's we're the at right scary now. Thing. Yeah. yeah. So people, you know, some people were like preparing for the apocalypse, and then some people were like, "Hey, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. I'm gonna spend my money." Um, and they weren't making any because they were out of work. So. But yes, that's actually was gonna be my next point there, where it's you. People were people were trying to spend more money, but they didn't have it to spend. So then, a lot of people are now in debt due to not even just non-essential frivolous items, but even due to essential items that mm -hmm. they couldn't afford. And now, now they're having to deal with the consequences. At this point, where a lot of people are back at work. I mean, most people are, you know, back essentially to where they were beforehand, and they're having to catch up to what their spending was before this does also tie into the, the idea and you see this you see this especially with people's weight and like you know people's approach to health during covid where some people were like okay i have all this time to myself i'm going to you know look inward and i'm going to go to the gym i'm going to work out every day well not go to the gym but i'm going to go to my home gym or i'm going to create a home gym i'm going to work out every day i'm going to run and i'm going to get myself healthy and there are other people who are like okay i'm on the couch Ooh, look at that donut oh here's another donut and I not not just that, but to be fair, stress eating is a, a huge thing that people do. And it's not, you know, a healthy coping mechanism, but people were very stressed and people were very scared. And so eating was the way that they dealt with that. I actually remember in the beginning, you know, people were calling it the quarantine 15 and then it was the quarantine 30. And then there were some people who understood French who were like 40-ish. 
Um, for those of you who understand, that's exactly what quarantine means. It comes from um, back in the day with ships. Uh, they would quarantine for 40-ish days. Um, so people would say 40-ish pounds after quarantine. And then, you know, the quarantine 50. And it is just ridiculous. It is sad. Um, I can't say anything because I also gained weight during quarantine, but that's because I actually had COVID. And I was not doing well afterwards. I think all of us have had COVID. You know, I've had COVID three, three times, or even four times at this point. You know, but at the same time, you know, COVID is just one excuse for people to stay home and not work while still getting paid. I would like to comment that that is not necessarily true for a lot of people. I was stuck in bed both times that I had COVID. I had COVID before COVID was even a thing, meaning in February twenty twenty, uh, I had COVID and. So yeah, I was ahead of the curve. I, I'm ahead of all fads, so... You know uh, what? I actually had bronchitis right before COVID hit, and I remember my doctor being terrified of me. <laughs> so who knows? You may have had COVID before COVID was a thing. Well, I tested positive for the flu, so I don't think so. Well, I had COVID True. in March, and it lasted until April. It took me like three weeks to recover from it. So Oof. I had a... But when I went to go get the test for COVID... You know, three weeks after I was feeling better, of course, I, I called them and said, you know, did I actually have COVID? And uh, they had congratulated me on losing my test results. So they aren't really <laughs> sure if I, uh, if I actually had COVID, but they recommended that I quarantine for two weeks and, you know, stay home and not work. And I was like, great, I'm glad that I'm over with now. And it's been three weeks since I actually went to you guys for a test. But back to the idea of a no-spend month. Now so that we're alive again, officially, unofficially, for those of us just joining. Um, what we're doing here is we are gathering a few self-fed topics into ChatGPT or OpenAI, which is an automatic AI-generated script or information creation. And the AI is going to be generating our key topic points for today, as well as at least two of our discussion questions. So the first topic that we have and have been discussing is the benefits and challenges of a no-spend month, which is the latest fad regarding uh, social media. Lots of people have been not spending to reduce uh, consumerism or simplifying their lifestyle. A study that's published by the Journal of Consumer Research in 2018 actually found that individuals who were exposed to consumerist messages such as advertising actually experienced increased feelings of dissatisfaction and decrease life satisfaction compared to those who are not exposed to these messages. So in essence, while ads actually get you to buy the products, they make you feel less like a person and more like a robot is what I understand from that. I mean, less satisfied doesn't necessarily mean more robotic. Yeah. It just it just means not happy with your purchase. Yeah, that's where I got confused too. I was like, where did robots come into this? Did, did I just space out? Well, being less satisfied with your purchase basically means you are robotic into buying product. Manipulated. That's more of manipulated rather than robotic. Well, they were dissatisfied and uh, they had a decreased life satisfaction. So they're just upset at themselves for the next X amount of years because they made this purchase. Mm, or even, it doesn't necessarily say anything about purchasing. It just says the people who were exposed to advertising. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't think this ties into the purchase itself. I think it ties yeah. into the whole message which the advertising is portraying, which is a whole glamorous lifestyle, I which... Exactly. You do not have the private jet. You do not have the ability to go on a fancy holiday four times a year. And therefore, uh, you 
simply sucking your life and that is the message which is relayed to you and by buying the products and by feeding this whole machine you are contributing to it so rage against the machine my favorite thing though is advertisements for like organized type stuff like you know organizing boxes like those acrylic boxes that were a thing in 2020 i bought so many of i those have them <laughs> <laughs> do you use them it's a question i use a lot of them but i also have because i bought like a set that has like 30 so i use around half of them and the other half is just waiting to be used but i only bought them recently so so i only recently started getting somewhat good at organizing um i have adhd undiagnosed of course because oh cool mine's diagnosed <laughs> <laughs> so mine is technically but not at an office, like I have a psychiatrist aunt who like told my mom, like, yeah, your daughter has raging ADHD. <laughs> and I was like, you're stupid. She does well in school. Stop it. <laughs> um, but I like refuse to get medicated for it. Cause I'm like, it makes me me. I like it in a way. But yeah, so I bought all these organizing stuff and like it low key made me mad at myself. I was like, I've got all of these acrylic organizing type stuff and I'm a wreck. <laughs> I am a hot mess here. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get that, like, on a, on a visceral level. <laughs> I feel that. Recently, I've gotten better at it, obviously. Um, you can't tell by how my kitchen looks at the moment. <laughs> well, using a lot of these points that you've brought up regarding the, the ADHD and the advertising, this is really what drives you to make these purchases. You know, people who have increased ADHD or, you know, impulsiveness, you know, that will increase the amount of purchases inherently just because you want everything you see or you're trying to make up for something that you don't have. That is true. People with ADHD do have a tendency to... Uh, spend more impulsively. However, I don't feel like that really affected me as much just because of my family history. We're a family of survivors, so we were always taught, don't spend money, don't spend money, don't spend money, save, 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 don't mess with the government, don't mess with the government, <laughs> pay your taxes, <laughs> save money for taxes. You never know when the government's going to try and make you spend too much on taxes, <laughs> and then they'll put you in jail, and it'll end up being a work camp. <laughs> well, maybe that's where some people can take some saving to the next level, you know, when they're trying to do a no-save month, just spend less on taxes and more on food. No, just about my grandpa. <laughs> No, so I mean, actually, it's interesting because when it comes to the way that that Surly and I spend money, we actually sometimes have to like tell ourselves it's okay to spend on something that isn't essential, and we have to like yes. have a conversation about it because both of us are the type of people who have a who who don't find it that easy to spend money, and yes. I don't even really know why because thankfully my family is has not been affected by you know any of the recent history, relatively recent. Um, you know, the, the, the Holocaust, any of that stuff. So um, it's interesting because I have no idea why I'm like that, but uh, it, it seems to be something that other Jews have too. Okay. I would love to comment on that, but I've got a mini human um, who needs feeding. I'll be right back. Excellent. Enjoy. Well, some of the challenges of not spending in a month, uh, short term and long term, you know, a few things that I can think of include if you're not spending on frivolous things, you know, that, you know, automatically decreases consumerism for the household in general for yourself you know if you're not spending on if you go to the mall and you don't spend on impulse purchases or whatever then it's less likely that the mall is going to be around assuming everybody did that but if it's just one or two people trying to improve their overall lifestyle you know i can see how that would be beneficial 
you know, and especially if you're doing it as like an overall improvement, and then at a later point in life, you'll go back to spending frivolously, or at least allocate yourself a budget to spend frivolously. You know, that's, you know, I guess I can see some benefits to that in, in this sense as well. I mean, there's definitely a happy medium in the middle because they say that personal finance is 80% behavior, 10% actual money, and it's all of the other 10%. How much money you make? You said you said eighty percent behavior, ten percent money. Where's the other ten percent? Sorry, the money to begin with. So that's where it is. The other ten percent is me trying to find the money. Okay, sorry. Twenty. My apologies. Twenty percent money. But either way, the underlying concept, and that is something which we see over here across all the um, all the points which we're making, is that it's about being disciplined. It's about uh, setting goals and realistic goals, and then achieving them. And then that leads to overall happiness in your life. And this is probably not just true with your money because if you are doing this with your money, you are probably doing this also with your fitness, you're doing this with your career goals, with your interpersonal goals, with your growth as a human uh, across all uh, spiritual and mental aspects. So money, you could say, is probably just a reflection of that. Okay, perfect. Well, what are some, another discussion question, what are some challenges of a no spend month and how could they how can they be overcome and the first thing that comes to mind with challenges is simply you know people's desires and needs and determining what's really frivolous and what's not you know and i like for example what about entertainment is entertainment considered for if, if someone has let's say a netflix or hulu or something subscription is that considered frivolous or is that considered essential and it's there, I think for every individual it'll be different. Because... I, I would disagree with that. I would say that any type of subscription service is generally in a, a, a want as opposed to a need. So, because if you, let's just say you lost your job, you're going to immediately cancel that subscription uh, because you can't afford to pay for it anymore. I'm referring to people specifically who are doing this only for one month. So the question is, is it worth it to mm, undo see. it for one month? to put it right back on the next month, or are you just going to consider that $10 or however much it is? To be honest, I have no idea how much these well, subscriptions a cost. a lot of streaming services allow you to pause them for a short amount oh. of time. YouTube Premium allows you to pause it. Amazon allows That's you to nice. pause the subscription for one, two, three, four months at a time. <clears throat> uh, your internet bill as well, if you deem that non-essential, you know, a lot of people have unlimited internet on their phone. They might not necessarily need internet in their home all the time. So if they want to do a no-spend month and really get down and grind, you can pause your internet for you know, 30, 45 days and then come back to it. It'll, re, it'll, it'll rebill you 45 days later, but then you just won't have home internet for a month, and that might save you 75 or if you have cable, that might save $150, $250. That's cool. I didn't know that these subscription services had that, had that option. One issue which comes to mind when it comes to this whole idea of a no-spend month is... Once the month is over, then the bounce back could be very uncontrolled because for some people, they are very extreme where they could either go with no spending or they would be spending frivolously. I think the key, rather than having a no spend month, is to come up with some happy medium in the middle, again, where you are spending, but you're doing so in a controlled, budgeted way. And like this, you are more likely to have a more stable outcome. I rather think that's than... more of setting yourself up for long-term success than just doing a no spend month. Exactly. However, the no spend month is a good like reset where it brings you back to reality of what you actually need in life in order to function. You know, if you have one month where you say, I'm not going to spend anything frivolously, but then the next month you go ahead and resume your lifestyle, you're probably less likely to go ahead and 
let's just say you canceled three of your subscriptions instead of pausing them, you're less likely to go ahead and re-enroll those subscriptions until six months down the line when you actually use the product next. You know, the odds of you right. using all five of your music listening services on a subscription base every single day or even monthly is probably very low for most people. So if you have, let's say, Amazon Music, Spotify, YouTube Premium, Pandemic, Panera Bread, I don't know what else, what other subscriptions. Don't there. pay for music subscriptions. Don't I mean, pay sorry. for Panera Bread. That's gotta. <laughs> All right. So some strategies to stay on track for the no spend month. You know, if you were just, just to- one final comment, just to when have social media fads ever actually resulted in long-term successful people? Like they're just fads. That's exactly what they are. You just need to keep that in mind. Well, the whole point of social media is to bring enlightenment to different aspects of living that you might not have otherwise been exposed to. And that never works. Social media is just a sham. Well, it's each their own. Every single person is able to pick and choose which pieces of the social media they incorporate in their life. You have a lot of the people who post these initial um, ideas on social media, a lot of times they've been doing them for years and they just never shared them with anyone else. So somebody else learning about it you know, even if one or two people end up utilizing that quote-unquote fad, that might be enough to help that person move on with something else. Okay, that's valid. I accept that. Now, if you were to go ahead with a no-spend month, what are some strategies that you would take to, you know, keep on track and not go overboard and reduce your spending? Don't go to the mall. Budget. Don't go to the mall with money. Don't go to the mall with money. Okay, that's valid. Okay, don't go to the mall with money. And budget. Did I mention that? Well, the budget is definitely a long-term success plan. I would would incorporate that in in our previous mention about, you know, long-term goals and how to, you know, keep this no-spend month ongoing for a longer period of time. But the budget is a great strategy for no-spend month. You know, a lot of people who've been posting about the no-spend month have been saying that they've been able to keep their grocery budget down to $500 or $400, which is $100 a week for a family of four people. You know, just utilizing what you have in your closet, you know, or in your your pantry. Another thing about that is to like plan ahead, as in before you start the no spend month, you have to create a system that you're going to use throughout it or else you're not, I mean, you're not going to be able to, to keep to it unless you know what you're doing. So we actually also deleted, oh, I deleted Amazon off of my phone and yeah. I took the credit cards off of my phone. Yeah. So one of our strategies for no spend month, you know, we've been doing this now for a couple of weeks trying to, you know, reduce our spending overall is, you know, remove the apps on your phone that, you know, provide the easy access to spending. Amazon is one of the main culprits of that. You know, it's very easy just to click a button and order everything you ever wanted from Amazon. But at the same time, your credit card is not going to really, you know, afford that purchase necessarily. So reducing the, the access to frivolous spending, I think, is a key point and then also you know having a, a strict budget for this time even if you do no spend month for one or two weeks or even a couple of days you know having let's say your sunday is usually your major spend day if you say i'm not going to spend anything this sunday then that can always get you you know one step further to your goals whether that's saving up for something or you know even just you know having a little bit more room in your budget for the next week as well okay excellent um, with that in mind, you know, one of the next topics that we have for the podcast today is 
the role of nutrition in disease prevention and management. Now, our uh, delightful guest who is an expert on this topic is currently taking care of a, a baby, but... Mini-human. Mini-human. Currently giving it some nutrition. Nutrition. Um, it's to prevent, with iron, too. To prevent diseases. Fortified with iron. And... And the eyes of this mini-human are wide-eyed at the fact that it is receiving nutrition right now, okay. as can be confirmed by Excellent. looking at it. Excellent. So the whole idea behind this particular topic uh, from ChatGPT was identifying how nutrition is able to prevent uh, diseases and how it's beneficial. You know, all, of course, there's other factors um, in preventing and maintaining a healthy lifestyle overall. However, preventing diseases uh, using the good, you know, solid nutritional advice you know, from a, a nutrition coach or a health coach or something similar can be very beneficial to you know, the long-term uh, goals of disease prevention. Now, a study, a large study published in the New England Journal of Medicine in 2017 actually found that a dietary pattern that was rich in fruits and vegetables and whole grains and nuts actually resulted in a lower risk of cardiovascular disease, while a diet high in red and processed meat, sugar and sweetened beverages and refined grains, so white bread, etc., actually associated with a higher risk of cardiovascular disease, which I think a lot of people know inherently. You know, a lot of people can tell you that, you know, going to a fast food restaurant is bad for your health, but a lot of people don't acknowledge it or don't change their habits or anything like that when it comes to these, uh, when, when it comes to these points. So I think one of the, one of the uh, you know, large uh, ideas is that while nutrition does play a large factor, one of the, I would say one of the more important items that we have to look at is people's ability to change their you know daily habits and i guess that kind of goes back to the no spend month you know changing not only changing your budget but eliminating your access to all of these um, you know venues and outlets can really uh, can really be a, a strong point when it comes to um, you know trying to improve your lifestyle and overall health in the long run actually uh, another aspect in which these these concepts are related is that there are a lot of people who use food again like I mentioned earlier as a coping mechanism um, and the amount of money that some people spend on fast food on snacks on all these different things is astronomical some people have spent like over a thousand dollars a month and then some of them have you know changed their life due to that but um there have been, uh, there's this YouTube channel that I, that I like to watch that discusses different people who have spent a lot of money on different food items and how they've, how they've, how much money they've saved by thinking about what they're eating, making sure that they're consuming healthier food and in smaller quantities and how they are interacting with food relates to how they interact with money as well in that way. Right, and regarding the idea of red meat, this is an area where I am not 100% convinced by the evidence because a lot of red meat which has not been uh, adulterated by modern farming mechanisms, meaning where it's not been pumped with hormones, etc., has been shown to be extremely beneficial for you. And even fats, which previously were thought to be something which is uh, bad for you, was actually not true because the whole idea of the food pyramid and uh, the way that we used to think of nutrition was actually written by lawyers. And the way that we um, look at sugar as being essential for the diet was 
sponsored by, I believe it was Kellogg's or Nestle. 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 Like yeah. It's a Nestle thing. Yeah. Right. So don't fact check us on that. We're, we're saying probably. We're not saying for a fact. Okay. So take this with a grain of salt. So we we do have to consider that like a lot a lot of the way we think about nutrition is too broad and and also when these studies are done they're done on a cohort of people but people are different. Some people do very well on the carnivore diet. Some people do not cannot and cannot eat meat. These things are very individual and to make broad sweeping statements as to what works for everyone is, I mean, aside from cutting out junk food, which is just basically pure cancerous uh, products, is, is a bad idea. Well, heme iron itself, the type of iron found in animals, um, actually is considered a carcinogen. So it actually is proven to cause cancer. Now, causing a bunch of other, other health issues, you know, you could argue about that. Basically, don't go on the carnivore diet. First of all, you need vitamin C, okay? Don't get yourself... Don't get yourself scurvy. Um, that, that's that got to suck. I can't imagine going through scurvy in, in the year 2023. God, it's 2023. Um, <laughs> and also, you do need antioxidants if you're going to be having those carcinogens. I'm sorry, but you do. I think that's really where a lot of these studies are uh, lacking in detail. While they do find that uh, diets that consist of only vegetables and legumes and nuts and fruits and whole grains are associated with a lower risk of some of these diseases. I think they're also missing a point of including some of these foods can, you know, possibly negate other diseases that are, you know, more prevalent, you know, by having um, these easy access to protein that eliminates, you know, that makes it easier for, you know, your digestive system to function correctly and, you know, having access to the fruits and vegetables alongside the protein, I think is really a, a major impact when it comes to you know overall health and lifestyle. Now, by including some of these you know important facts when it comes to you know your your daily life, you know I think a lot of it boils down to ensuring that you have the right habits when it comes to food as as well. You know, making sure that you're eating on a on a schedule as opposed to whenever you you know want i think that can definitely help your body you know kind of balance out and function on a on a more you know level-headed basis whereas if you know you're always snacking on something that can you know either that can you know cause you to get out of control with your eating or potentially that can cause you to you know eat something that you otherwise wouldn't have you know if you just have two or three full meals a day or even one and a half full meals a day that can eliminate your snacking on things that you know might not necessarily be the healthiest as well i think it depends on the person some people you know do better with snacking um they find that it helps them stay in control when it comes to the bigger meals especially if they're snacking on healthier things like popcorn or fruit even veggies like a lot of people snack on you know celery carrots um snow peas, peppers, peppers, like those are great snacks and they can actually help keep you full. I actually remember we were talking about this yesterday when I was little, you know, there was a comment of Middle Eastern food is not fatty. That is not true. That is not true. I'll give you my, my favorite food growing up was called maude. I'll tell you what maude was. It was potatoes that were peeled, then fried. Then there was kibbeh in there. You know what we did with kibbeh? We fried it. <laughs> then 
we added very fatty meats and the bone and we put it all in there and we had it cook more with more oil and you know what that was everyone's favorite food and this was a staple sounds delicious it, it was it is very delicious you've tried maude before yes i have oh it's great it's so good um but it is extremely fattening the secret to why a lot of middle easterners are skinny is because a we've got a wedding every day if not more than a wedding i remember one time i went to a sweet 16 a bar mitzvah and two weddings all on the same night um and you gotta par you gotta dance at every single party so you're doing a lot of exercise, but then also we have an <coughs> emphasis on vegetables. So I remember we would run around and my grandma would be cutting vegetables for the salad and maybe 25% of those vegetables would actually go into the salad. The rest would be given to us while we were running. My grandma would scream, hot, 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 take this, take this, take this. Why you not eat if you didn't take it? If you don't take it. She knew, she knew three sentences. Uh, she knew four sentences in English. Three of which she learned for her um, for her citizen test, which were, I go to car, I put on seatbelt, I drive very fast. <laughs> and then, why you not eat? It was mostly regarding vegetables and nuts and fruit. She very rarely would say, why you not eat for cookies. I think that really, you know, hits the next discussion question right on the nose, you know, with how social and cultural contexts can influence your dietary habits and the risk of chronic diseases. You know, by all of these social and cultural foods, a lot of times they're designed for a healthy environment. You know, you look for any kind of cultural food, not American food, but just cultural food is designed around a center point of either vegetables or of protein, meat or grains, you know, going back to the roots of, you know, some of the things that have a lower, you know, disease risk. A lot of times that's what cultural food really is. Even if it has fried items or something in it, the fact that it has these vegetables or grains as a base, I think is a really a really key point. But even American food, for example, the traditional farmer's breakfast, which uh, the people in the Midwest uh, in America used to eat, had about 5,000 calories inside the meal. But it made sense considering the fact that people will be eating such a meal and then they'll be going out and working in the field all day and they will not really be eating much for the rest of the day until they came home uh, 12 hours later. And when you are working for 12 hours a day in a very physically laborious job, you know, tilling the land, five thousand calories for breakfast makes perfect sense. And also beyond that, like even even in a negative way, there are certain you know the a, a lot of children take on the dietary habits of their parents because that's just what they what they grew up with. And so there are there's this new phenomenon. I don't know how new it is, but I recently heard about it called fast food babies, where yes, they I was just this that. is how they grow up. They eat fast food their entire life. They haven't had a vegetable like fresh vegetable ever. What's a vegetable? So, point point is they they grow up thinking that this is normal. This is what food is, and they're going to grow up with a very negative relationship with food, with health, and a lot of times also people kind of use it as oh, this is just runs in my family. This disease, this 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 negative physical being. But it's a lot of it is related to the food that they eat and the food that they grew up with in their household that their parents were eating that now they're eating that they could change if they if they take it on themselves. So I don't know how many people here are familiar with Dr. Michael Greger. I know you two should be because I, I talk about him all the time. I have been a fan of his since I was 15. 
I love his work. But in his book, How Not to Diet, he actually talks about this, you know, the quote unquote fat gene that people love talking about when it was actually studied only accounted for about 10% of obesity, um, of obesity cases. And that was wild to me because I remember when I was a kid, I was a chubby kid, um, like a real chubby kid. Like when I was pregnant, I wasn't as big as I was as a kid. Um, that, that is true, by the way. Um, I did not get as heavy as when I was younger, um, when I was pregnant. So I remember being told by my doctor, hey, I think that this is just your genetic weight because at the time I was eating like a thousand calories, or at least that's what I counted. Um, I was eating about a thousand calories and still not losing a pound. And he was like, yeah, I think that you're just genetically obese. And then one day I just started changing my habits and the weight fell off. And I remember not even believing the doctor when she told me that I was, you know, X amount of weight. I was like, no, 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 your scales are broken. And she went, no, 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 they're not. <laughs> no, you look like you're that way. Don't, don't pat yourself on the back. You still need to lose a lot of weight, girl. But you're getting there. This is my pediatrician, by the way. <laughs> I guess that shows you the power of doctors. Are they able to, you know, pinpoint exactly what's wrong and kind of help you out? You know, sometimes you should trust them. Sometimes you shouldn't, but a lot of times you should, especially when they give advice about, you know, your... Your, your their scale is probably accurate yeah i mean when, when it comes to trusting them you probably should treat them as an advisor and take what they have to say as advice rather than as gospel so take what they have to say consider it if it's wise follow it if it's not wise and these days you could actually do your research as long as you are able to be critical and use actual well, you can get accurate sources as well exactly but uh what is dave ramsey's quote when it comes to uh, uh setting up a council have many people yes he but he he specifically always quotes one specific quote from the bible he always quotes king solomon i don't know what the quote is but essentially the idea is that wise people have many people advising them on what to do and then they take and synthesize the advice of these many people and they um get carried out i guess Excellent. There's also about having professionals in that field. For example, doctors aren't taught that much about nutrition. Like, you know, I remember even in nursing school, and we were supposed to be like the educators of nutrition. We spent an hour on nutrition, and that was it. And I was like, and at that time, I had already lost a lot of weight. I had already done a lot of research. I had already been obsessed with, um, with Dr. Michael Greger and Dr. Dean Ornish and like all these doctors and I remember just being like this is not it this is not it we're supposed to educate our patients on nutrition after an hour of learning this and you know what we learned the food pyramid like which was written by lawyers yes it was absolutely ridiculous and especially even like the WIC program, and I love the WIC program, and I think it's amazing, but I found it funny that there were a couple of things where they were like, choose the low-fat option, like low-fat yogurt, and I was like... Low-fat yogurt's a scam. Low-fat yogurt means more sugar yogurt. Exactly, it's a scam. <laughs> exactly. Hey, sometimes sugar is good for you. When? It's not every, better than every, fat. If you coffee, are with ice cream. It's not from running a marathon. <laughs> yeah, if you are someone who either struggles to eat... Um, then it might be a good idea to eat more processed food. I wouldn't say like, you know, eat tablespoons of sugar, but like if you struggle to eat, having processed foods is an easy way of getting calories. If someone, you know, they, they suffer from, they used to suffer from anorexia, now they suffer to eat altogether, 
or you know someone's going through a little bit of a depressive state and they're struggling to eat it might be useful for them to add a little bit more oil into their diet a little bit of sugar just don't go crazy because we don't want you getting diabetes um but I love yeah sugar. sugar's delicious great sugar is delicious just saying well I'm putting it out there i love sugar <laughs> everyone loves sugar we are biologically created to love sugar <laughs> and i don't i don't i don't, I don't prevent myself from having it Excellent. i just be smart about it well with that in mind thank you all for listening to the brood awakenings and we hope you enjoy this episode and found it either helpful or informative or none of the above if you have any questions or comments or feedback we'd love to hear from you you can reach us in the comment section or by reviewing us on your favorite podcast and before we go uh we fed to chat gbt um this question explain the status of chat gbt as a pirate so who would like to have the honors of saying that i'm gonna skip for now we're gonna review this next week when it comes to you know adding this as a key discussion <laughs> I, I just saw it and uh, i just saw it because it came up because chat gpt was offline on my computer and it is just hysterical that's why i put it in all right but. well if one of you guys wants to visit chat gpt you can definitely do so at chat.openai.com but don't forget to subscribe to <laughs> all of our future episodes. Okay. until next time